And I'll tell you what, listeners, Dangerous Dan is going to tell you a secret. I love Christmas. There, I said it. And I don't care who knows it, because I love tinsel. I love Rudolph. I love cranberries. I love baby Jesus. Before he went all hippie with the sandals and the long hair. (laughs) Welcome to We All Pot Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm not dangerous, but I am Dan. <laughs> and obviously that was your William Shatner impersonation, but I must ask, I thought you found tinsel distracting. Of course I do. That's why we have a pole in the living room. <laughs> requires, no, requires no decoration. None. None. The cats are very disappointed in it, though. They are. They looked at it kind of funny to start, but think they got used to it but we do have a tree to put up for them to completely destroy so i think i'll do that tomorrow yeah i was gonna say we need to do that soon it's almost christmas yeah we're getting there getting real close and speaking of today we are going to review a christmas horror story from 2015 and the overview for this is in the town of bailey downs christmas is about to be not so very nice changelings krampus and zombie elves oh my all hosted by William Shatner. And for this, our references really this time are only going to be Wikipedia and IMDb. We didn't really find much else on this. It seemed like this kind of went under the radar, it felt like, to an extent, which is weird because I always think of Shatner being so huge and everywhere. Shatner does a lot of stuff that's kind of low-key and under the radar, too. He does a lot of content. So he spreads himself out, and he does a lot of stuff, and he's always entertaining. Such as going to space. Exactly. The first Star Trek alumni to go to space. Well done, sir. Indeed. When he got off the shuttle, it was so cool. He had, like, the most profound feelings towards it. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It, was, it felt really authentic. It was awesome. There's a, seems like a little, like, mini documentary they're doing on Amazon Prime about that. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, since Bezos kind of paid the... I don't know if, if Shatner paid it for him himself, or did Bezos pay for this to so just, like, let him do it? I don't know. I assume he paid for it, but either way, they're both rich as I think fuck. so, too. Oh, of course. Someone with a lot of money paid for this. Yes. Someone with more money than they knew what to do with. Certainly more than us. Yes. All right. Now we'll go into our cast and crew. Bear with me. There's a lot of folks in this movie. So if you don't want to hear the list, feel free to skip a minute or two. But we have our directors. They're Grant Harvey, Steve Hoban, and Brett Sullivan. It's produced by Steve Hoban and Mark Smith. This was written by Jason Philatrout. James Key, Sarah Larson, Doug Taylor, and Pascal Trottier, and into our cast. So, without further ado, we have DJ Dangerous Dan, played by the infamous and amazing William Shatner, who has been in pretty much everything, which is awesome. We love William Shatner. Of course, Star Trek, and he went to actual space. Rock on. He really is a rock it man. (laughs) So we also have Molly, who is played by Zoe, De Grand Maison. She was in Orphan Black. We have Ben, who's played by Alex Ozerov, also who's in Orphan Black. We have Dylan, who's played by Shannon Kook. He's most known for being in the three movies in the Conjuring series. Terrible, I'm so sorry. But good for him, he got some notoriety. Caprice Bauer, who's played by Amy Forsyth. She's known as being in The Novice and Channel Zero. We have Taylor, who's played by Jeff Clark. He was in the Fargo TV series. We have Diane, who's played by Michelle Nolden. She was in The Time Traveler's Wife, Numbers, and Heartland. We have Duncan, who's played by Percy Hines-White, who's in The Gifted and Between, and a couple other things, too. Aunt Edda is played by Corinne Conley. She was, and this is a really cool little fact, she was the voice of the Dolly for Sue in the original Rankin and Bass production of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is one of the first credits she had, which was really cool. Also in the movie RFK, we have Gerhard, who's played by Julian Richings, who was in Cube, The Witch, and in Supernatural, he played as Death which 
is kind of ironic, considering the character he plays here. We have Scott, who was played by Adrian Holmes, who was known for the series 19-2. We have Kim, who was played by Olina K. Adelie, and she was in She Never Died and The Expanse. We have Will, who was played by Orion John, who was in Flashpoint. We have The Compass, who was played by Rob Archer, who was in Ant-Man and the Wasp as Knox and has done a lot of stunt work and a lot of good stuff. We have Jingles slash The Changeling, two characters played by the same gentleman um, named Joe Silvaggio, and he was also in Resident Evil Apocalypse. We have Shiny, or beloved Shiny, <laughs> who's played by Ken Hall, who has been in People of Earth, and he's also done a lot of improv in his career, which is really cool. I love improv comedy. Some very famous improv troops, The Second City, Upright Citizens Brigade, The Annoyance Theater, and he teaches improv, clown, and public speaking at the Second City currently. So that's really cool. That is neat. And we have Marta, who is Mrs. Claus, played by Deborah Lynn McCabe, who is in People of Earth, Supernatural, and Saw 3. <laughs> and last and definitely not least, we have Santa Claus, played by George Buza. And he was in The Red Green Show as a recurring character. The Red Green Show, if you're not familiar with it, is a Canadian show about essentially like a moose lodge kind of thing with some Canadian rednecks. And it's really, <laughs> really funny. Probably one of my dad's favorite shows of all time. It's played on PBS here for a long time since I was a kid, really. Wonderful show, really fun. So check that out. It was also most famously known as being in the original X-Men, the animated series from the 90s. He did the voice of Beast and was also voices in the Star Wars droids and Ewok animated series. And now if you've been skipping that part, welcome back. <laughs> so everyone knows that this movie is an anthology. It's broken into four stories that loosely connect. So you essentially have four full casts of characters so a long cast but a very good cast and we actually left some of them out like some of like the more minor roles but yep. if you're interested imdb is your friend as Indeed. is wikipedia give money to wikipedia they need it imdb probably not so much anyway so what we're going to be doing is a little different this episode and probably going to do this going forward see how it works but we were thinking that probably some people want to hear reviews that tell them a little bit about the movie without spoiling it. So we figured what we'll do is we'll start the first part going into our spoiler-free review first, and then from there we'll go into our actual spoiler review, and that's when we'll do our full rating with the emojis and all that. But just kind of do like a light version of the review to start. And what we'll do in the show notes is I'll put timestamps so you know when each thing begins and ends. That way if you don't want it spoiled... You know where to go. If you do want it spoiled and you don't want to hear the light review, well, then you know where to skip to. Everybody wins. Indeed. So pretty much what I wrote up for the light review of this is I really enjoyed this. I think it's something everyone should watch at least once if you're a fan of horror. I like that, you know, it ties in Christmas stories because I feel like that that's something that's been lost a lot over the years. Traditionally, Christmas actually was something where people would get together and they actually would tell horror stories like around, you know, like mostly actually, I take it back, not horror stories so much as ghost stories, but they would tell them, you know, around a fire, around Christmas and stuff, which is why we have things like Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, that in all reality, I mean, that's a ghost story. Mm -hmm. That's very traditional Christmas. And I feel like that's something we've lost a lot. So whenever something horror related comes up like that, I always get real giddy. So... I don't think, though, it's something I need to watch every year, but I would definitely watch it again, maybe in a couple years. I thought it was fun, had some good jump scares, but it didn't rely on those. So I think a lot of horror has a bad habit of relying on either jump scares and or gore in place of the story. This had a good story all around. I like the anthology style. It reminded me a bit of Trick or Treat, which, by the way, we need to review at some point. And I thought all the effects and the gore were well done. I don't think the gore was too overt, like, it's definitely there. It's kind of like a middle of the road. It's not no gore. It's not Saw-level gore. Depends on the anthology you're, we're thinking of. So as we'll go into what the anthologies are, 
there's one that definitely has a little, a lot more gore than the others. I'd yeah, say. and I mean, if you've seen the commercials, you you know, if you're not sure, watch the trailer for it. You'll see there's Santa fighting zombie elves, essentially. <laughs> Which is just fantastic as a concept. But so there's going to be some like zombie levels of gore, but again, it didn't feel too gross to me at the same time. So again, I felt it was very middle of the road when it comes to like for overall as a movie for the blood and the gore and everything. Sometimes even there's parts where I would turn away and a little bit like, eh, that's a little too much. But again, not to the level like Saw where I can barely watch it because I'm just feeling sick the whole time. You feeling sick because of the gore or just a shitty movie that you're <laughs> you will trying take, to withstand? You'll take any chance you have to take a stab at that, won't you? Yes, quite literally because <laughs> it's one of the worst movies series ever made. Okay, so <laughs> back to my little nice light review. Um, so this movie, though, I feel like it really has it all. We've got zombie elves, we got ghosts, we got Krampus, we got a cursed town, murders, changelings, a fun twist. I mean, it just felt like everything they could jam-packed into this movie, they did, but did it very well. So that's how I felt about it. Dan, what are your thoughts? So I do enjoy anthology movies that are able to tie together loosely a narrative whether you have a couple of different stories they're different pacing different styles with different characters and this does a really nice job of doing that ties them all together in some subtle some not so subtle ways there's little clues you need to pick up throughout so this is a movie i would definitely pay close attention to because there's a couple little things that connect different stories that you'll want to watch for for sure I'd say this was a good time. Is it the greatest anthology movie ever? No. But I do enjoy, like you said, the idea of Christmas ghost stories. That's a tradition. And I like the fact that they took four different, vastly different stories, made them all pretty entertaining. Though I would say for me, there's certain stories that connected with me far more than others. So I don't think all the four stories were created equal. At times where it's like I'm really getting into one and it jumps to another one like, oh, I want to go back to that one. So <laughs> the whole zombie elf thing, that could be a feature for me. That was fun every single second. Such a blast. I mean, just the idea of zombie elves and Santa Claus having to kick ass. That was just <laughs> phenomenal. I had so much fun with that. And me as the zombie movie junkie, of course, I'm going to love that. But I thought that was really well done and well played. Overall, like you said, it's not super gory. It has its moments for sure. Like the zombie elf stuff is definitely the goriest, I'd say. Each part has their moments. So, I mean, if you're squeamish, you there's going to be a couple things you're probably not going to like. But what the hell do you expect out of a flick like this? So, go in knowing that. Like you said, it didn't overly rely on jump scares. There was just a couple. It doesn't over rely on anything particular. And I'd say it's kind of like a horror buffet in a Christmas wrapping. It's really what it is. And Horror have... buffet with a bow on top. Exactly. And, of course, we have William Shatner, which I don't know about you. I'll watch anything that man's in. I mean, when you say I don't know about you, I hope you're not talking about me because... No, just in general to the audience. I figured the you was the, the audience. You, so I was going to say, you know I watch I, anything with Shatner. Exactly. I love Shatner. And I'll say this. William Shatner can score anything. <laughs> anything. Fanboys riff. Mm-hmm. Fanboys is one of the most underrated movies ever, I'd say. I love that movie. If it's you're so a Star Wars fan, if you haven't seen that, what the hell are you doing? Watch that movie now. Watch it twice, please. It's and there's true. some love for Star Trek fans in there. I mean, <laughs> they're making fun of them, it's but it's... It's mockery, but it's not totally untrue. We're nerds. We know it. Yeah, exactly. We embrace it. But William Shatner's character... Ties it together very well. Yeah. He's a DJ from the trailer. You can tell what he's doing. He's kind. Of, he's totally the glue of the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And he ties a lot of the narrative together with his commentary and whatnot. It feels like Shatner's riffing at times. Mm -hmm. And when we've seen Shatner do a lot of live appearances and talks and stuff like that and panels, he is such a great storyteller and such a great riffer. Th this was like the perfect role for him in this. He was utterly phenomenal. He, I would watch this movie again just for Shatner's scenes. I thought they were hilarious. And I thought he was just a delight. So overall as a movie, it's a good time. Is it my favorite horror comedy-ish kind of thing? Not, not really. 
but it, it's not all comedy, but there's definitely some comedic moments. Yeah, overall, it's a good time. I highly recommend it. It's not the greatest thing ever, but it's really fun. I think that was the intention. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a good time. For sure. I think from there we can go ahead and get ready to get into our spoiler rating. So Spoiler alert! So, again, if you don't want this spoiled, please pause now and then go watch it. It's on Prime, and then you can come back and listen to us ramble about it. Insert the red alert tone here. Oh, yes. Oh, shoot, I even have it somewhere down there, I think. We can't use that for copyright reasons. We know that. Can we not, though? I've heard it done on a ton of other things. It might be actually public domain, the actual sound. I don't know. We have to look into that. Viewers, listeners, you're not viewing us. Listeners, tell us if you know this or not. (laughs) The internet will tell us very shortly. One of us will. All right, so I'll go ahead and I'll start. So what we're going to do first, I think, is a good thing is just kind of tell how these different stories kind of come together. So... What happens is we have Shatner, a.k.a. Dangerous Dan. You'll hear us probably referring to him both ways because that's what we do. So he is actually the grandfather of the family that encounters Krampus. The daughter in that family is dating one of the students that is going to explore the murder scene of their fellow classmate, Jenna and Connor. I say classmates. Going to explore the murder scene of their classmates, Jenna and Connor. And that's in the basement of their school. And she's the one that gives them the keys to get in the school to the friends that are going down there to film this previous murder scene that was apparently one year ago today. Yeah, they're doing kind of an investigation kind of thing. You know, like, let's go into the spooky place and look at it and talk about it. Yep, filming it, doing it, I guess is like supposed to be like a vlog or something like that. Good um, idea. Turned out well. Yeah, for everybody involved. So when the murders took place, there was a cop that they're watching a video of him. Apparently he was super traumatized and his son is the one who gets switched with the changeling and Krampus ends up attacking Santa towards the end. But looping back to Shatner, we find out that Santa is actually his weatherman, Stormin Norman, who was having some sort of mental breakdown thinking he was Santa killing zombie elves. When he was actually just killing volunteers at a food drive at a mall. Yeah, so... <laughs> Storm and Norman lost his fucking mind. Yeah, all his Christmas cheer went down the drain. I'd say that twist I did not see coming at all. No, and I, I like that, though, because there's really no clues to it whatsoever. The only thing is it seems like Norman don't really like Christmas... Yeah, early on he like smack. He's they says he's going to this food drive and he writes something and Shatner's like, oh look, he's writing me a note and he smacks it up against the window and just says, "Fuck Christmas." Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Norman is not happy about Christmas and being Santa at the mall. He's kind of more drive. like more like a Norman Bates. Yeah, here, <laughs> except he's not in a dress. Norman yet Norman Santa Bates. We don't know if he's wearing a dress yet. But he might. Maybe he's also Marta. Norman's an interesting dude. And I'd say, for me, the whole, like I've said, the whole Santa with the zombie elves was the best of the four stories for me. And the twist that none of that actually really happened. It's just Norman massacring people in the mall was just a stroke of genius. Yeah, and I like the way it kind of flips and shows you the moments where he thinks he's killing an elf and then the actual person he's killing, so... I mean, they're dressed as an elf when he's killing them, so I mean... Very loosely, though. They're not very detailed elves. <laughs> no, they're not They're not elves telling him to... I don't want a goddamn cookie, which is one of the best lines of the movie. <laughs> yeah, what's he call her? A reindeer fucking snow cunt or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so oh they, these, these elves have some colorful language. Well, essentially, it was a rage virus because they got really angry and then they turned into the undead. Mm-hmm. And when those, those elves kept like coming up with these really creative combinations of Christmas-related curses, it was great. Yeah. It was fantastic. And Santa has his staff, and he's very creatively decapitating them and stabbing them. He grabs one of their heads that he chopped off like a bowling ball, and he smashes one of the other elves to death with another one's head, which you're really hoping he wasn't going that far with what happened at the mall. But then again, maybe he did. Yeah, say this, because he had an axe, I think, is what he was actually using to kill them. Well, in the zombie 
play out. It, he actually did have an axe at one point. Yeah, but that's what I'm wondering. What was the staff? Was that also an axe, or did he have... Maybe it was the boom mic. I don't know. He's killing them with the boom mic? <laughs> yeah. he just, he's, like, he's cutting off their heads with a boom mic. That is... Norman is a talented man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Carlin said on an airplane, they give you a knife and fork. It's only a little crappy plastic knife. But, you know, you, you can cut someone's head off with that if you care enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carlin. So, but yeah, that's how all the stories tie together, pretty much. I liked that of the stories, I agree that we were talking about this before we started recording, that the weakest story is the three kids going into the basement to do the murder scene. And I really liked it to start, though. It just kind of felt like it ended on a meh note, because I guess the concept was that there is this woman named Grace who... This used to be a convent, and this is where they put the unwed pregnant women. She was one of the unwed pregnant women, but she claimed to be a virgin, so she was supposed to be like the Virgin Mary, but then she decided, I guess, to abort it herself and died in the process. Fuck you, Texas. Anyway. Go CM Punk. Yes. I love that he wore that. Um, wasn't it like a picture of like or a mm -hmm. uterus of the ovaries, and it was like, get one, and then you can talk or something like yep. that? CM Punk is awesome. That was wonderful. But yeah, so this this girl, Grace, I guess what ends up happening is kind of like her spirit comes back and she wants Molly to carry her baby, but I don't understand why. And she's got this like little like aborted fetus thing in her arms. Did she have some regret post-abortion? Yeah, because she died. Yeah, and she's trying to think, well, can I somehow save the baby that died a long time ago? So the idea that she kind of influences... She first gets her to try to fuck Dylan, I think. And he then, has nothing of it because he's he, got a girlfriend. Yeah, and then so he ends up stabbed like in the eye with a cross. Yeah. And then gets her to fuck Ben. And now all I can think of is from that fucking Sesame Street thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then okay. I will fuck Ben. Because so, so, Ben so is number, number 10. 10. So if you don't know what we're talking about, there's this amazing old set of internet videos that involved it what if you took the count from sesame street and you put bleeps every time he said the word count so when you bleep out the word count it sounds like he's saying fuck the two best versions the original one was great but my favorite one is one where they show his first day of school it is vile it yeah, is absolutely he wants to vile. count all the kids but it sounds like something else and he's like i'm gonna Leap all the kids in all the schools. And it's like, whoa, we've really gotten to it. Well, the funniest part about that place. is I saw that years and years and years ago and thought it was, I'd only saw the first one though. I didn't see the other variations of it. Or maybe I, I probably saw a couple variations, but not that one. And I thought about it randomly at one point and then I was like, you've seen this, right? And you're like, I haven't. And then I just, you wouldn't stop watching the videos like nonstop. Every time I came into like a room you were in, you're just watching those videos. Right, like, like all my free time for about a week and a half revolved around watching those videos on repeat. Poor Ben. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's the, the joke of it is that all the kids had very Romanian sounding names. Of course, he's the count. And, but then the last one was Ben. It was Ben. Because Ben really, was number 10. And he really focused on Ben. It was really scary. Yeah, poor Ben. Ben did not have a good time, I'm sure. I don't think any of them had a good time, to be honest. But yeah, there's your twisted old internet thing from yeah. If you somehow haven't years found, ago, yeah, if you somehow haven't seen that, like YouTube. like like Mr. Dan here, then I would say go, go just go to YouTube and search count censored, and I think it comes right up. It should be the first result. Yeah, there'll be a, there's a ton of them actually. Yeah, but Some that first better than one, others. that first one though is just. The Fucking. first one and the one of his first day at school are, yeah. are the best and most awful at the same time. So enjoy that little bit of demented internet stuff. But anyway, so... <laughs> I agree, though. I think that was the weakest of the four stories for me. It started out okay and just kind of ended strangely. The, yeah, gr well, the girl convinces the girl... Molly to fuck the one guy to, to try to transfer the kid into her somehow. Yeah, but the thing is, if she was supposed to be a virgin, why would she need to do that? Yeah, it made no sense whatsoever. And if she's fucking Ben, then wouldn't she be pregnant with Ben's kid, not Grace's 
aborted kid? Some weird form of spiritual transference. I don't know. It yeah. wasn't explained well. It wasn't that great. Yeah, and she just ends up like walking out of there. And also Ben gets killed. He gets crucified on the wall and his neck gets snapped. And then yeah. so I guess it was supposed to be like a Christmas miracle, but it's a Christmas horror miracle. It's kind of a thing. festivist miracle. Yeah. The story started off okay. It ended as a dud for yeah. me. I think if that story would have been tighter, the whole overall movie would have been even better. But that part really fell flat. There were times where they went to that story and like, oh man, go back to one of the other ones. I'm over this one already. <laughs> yeah, it really started out strong though. I like the idea yeah. of them like kind of exploring this murder scene and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it seemed a lot more fun than it was going to be. So, but that's where you kind of have, you know, your ghosts and dumb kids exploring places they're not supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so then we also have the story of the changeling, which I liked a lot because I like the history of the changeling and fairy folk. And they did a good job of sticking to the folklore a bit. To an extent. To a bit. To an extent. So, more, more so than you would get in most movies like this. No, for sure. But in general, like the history of it more had to do with infants, with changeling and fairy folk and those legends. Now, the changeling legend pretty much is almost world over in some variation or another, but the general idea is that your loved one gets replaced with something that looks similar to it. So kind of like similar to the doppelganger, but they have a, the doppelganger is different than the fairy legends and the changeling legends, but it's that same kind of concept of something that looks like you, but isn't. There's was two very famous cases and I'm just going to quote Wikipedia on it because I've heard the stories before, but I think Wikipedia did a good job of just summing them up real quick. So in 1826, Anne Roche bathed Michael Lehe, a four-year-old boy who was unable to speak or stand. She did this three times in the flesk. He drowned on the third time. She swore that she was merely attempting to drive a fairy out of him, and the jury acquitted her of murder. In 1895, Bridget Cleary was killed by several people, including her husband and cousins, after a short bout of illness, which was probably pneumonia. Jumping away from the quote for a second, I've also read that it was possibly a type of bronchitis. Back to the Wikipedia quote, though, a local storyteller, Jack Dunn, accused Bridget of being a fairy changeling, and it's debatable whether her husband, Michael, actually believed her to be a fairy. Many who believe that he concocted the the quote-unquote fairy defense after murdering his wife in a fit of rage. The killers were convicted of manslaughter rather than murder, as even after the death, they claimed to be convinced they had killed a changeling, not Bridget Cleary herself. Wow, that defense sounds about as strong as bird law. Wow. See, I thought you you make a joke like that, and I thought we were going to jump down the glove defense in a... What was the Chewbacca defense in uh, the O.J. Simpson trial? Oh, boy. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Now I can't think of anything but Jackie Childs and Seinfeld. Yeah. (laughs) He was one of the most wonderful side characters of a show loaded with wonderful side characters. Yeah. I could put that man into anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And it would just be brilliant. Oh, for sure. It was wonderful. But yeah, so I like that they, back back to the actual movie, I like that they actually stuck to an extent to the narrative where essentially the family goes to get a Christmas tree. The father, who again was the cop that found the two kids dead, which, jumping back for a second, that was one of the best jump scares I'd seen in a while where the girl Jenna, I guess, had been hung upside down from the ceiling, but all of a sudden, while they're sitting in the car just watching this video, she just like appears. I just about jumped out of my fucking skin. Like I was eating my Chipotle. I thought I was going to spit it out. It was bad. That got me too, and I don't get caught by jump scares very often, so that was pretty good. Yeah, so I got to give them some credit on that one. And they're going out in the woods to chop down a tree, so I'm thinking right away we're both thinking Griswolds. Oh, for sure. But he was actually smart enough, and he brought us all. So, Clark, you lost this one. Yeah, but at the same time, now we don't have the giant roots sitting on top of the car for fun. Although sure. they had a truck. Yeah. They also were more prepared with the truck. Yeah, they were, and they didn't have the family truckster. No. <laughs> and at least Clark didn't bring home a changeling. I'll give him that. Or did he? I don't know. You could accuse Eddie of being a lot of things. But... <laughs> Oh, dear. Especially the real actor, Randy Quaid, who played him. Well, I, don't, I don't know what happened there. Maybe, because remember he was in Independence Day? He was going after the aliens? Maybe maybe Randy Quaid's been replaced with an alien. 
That would make a lot of sense. Or a changeling. So the changelings don't really talk. And like I said, normally they're replaced, like they're replacing infants. And depending on where you get the folklore from, some of them are taking like the infants down to the devil. Some of them are taking the infants to like repopulate the fairies. There's all kinds of things that happen in legends. And I guess to try to get the actual child back, you're supposed to, I've read some cases of you're supposed to make the changeling laugh, which I was like, that's not so bad. Uh, but the vast majority are you need to basically torture it into giving back your child, which, of course, it is your child. You're just torturing an innocent child. So a lot of abuse and bad things happened. Yep. And the way this one worked out was that the idea was that you got to bring the changeling back. To John Oliva in the woods. Exactly. John Oliva out there for anyone that on doesn't his know, piano. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, John Oliva is the main guy from Sabotage, but most people will know him from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Which he doesn't really tour with them, but he's written a lot of the stuff and yeah. done a lot of the work with it. Does some of his own stuff with his band John Lee was Pain, which we saw at Prague Power, which was one of the greatest live performances I have ever seen. That and Dr. Butcher, which is just fun, his funny side band. Mm-hmm. But this guy kind of looks like John Oliva, so the second he popped up, I was like, John Oliva, what are you doing there in the woods on like a little like snowmobile thing? Either that or Meatloaf. Or it, like, some like, sort of, like merge him and meatloaf. It's like an amalgamation of the two. Like meatloaf when he goes to chase that goddamn Yeti. Now instead of chasing Yetis, he's chasing the oh, the God. fucking um, changelings around. And I guess has like this forest full of changelings. If you've never seen the movie with meatloaf trying to hunt down the most awful looking Yeti you've ever seen, I'm talking total 80s cheese. Oh my God, what a wonderfully awful film. Yeah, the movie's literally called To Catch a Yeti. Yeah. And we watched the Rift Tracks version of it. I believe it's on Amazon Prime for free. Watch, watch it. It, it so is funny. so the movie's fucking terrible. But it's really, really funny because Rift Tracks is amazing and can make anything funny. Yeah, for sure. But like I said, so one of my beefs actually with some of it though is that I don't care so much if they like hold to the legends like they're supposed to, because I realize this is fiction, you know, legends change and everything. So I'm not, don't have any issue with that. But a lot of modern horror seems to really, really want to jump on the Krampus bandwagon, which would be fine, except for the fact that I feel like there's so many good Christmas-related horror things in folklore from all these different countries. Like, Germany, of course, has probably the most, but even, like, in uh, Iceland, you have the Yule Cat, which basically eats you if you don't wear the clothes you were brought, so... You know, kids always are like, I don't want to wear the socks I was bought for Christmas. Well, in Iceland, they wear those fucking socks. That way, the giant-ass Yule cat don't eat them. Yep. You don't see people in Iceland saying, fuck the socks. I'm going to wear the socks. No, they wear the that. socks. That cat ain't touching my ass. No. Yep. But like, you have, you have Belschnickel. You have... Belschnickel. Um, yes. I love Belschnickel. I know. And of course, most people will think of it, though, from The Office, which I love that The Office did that. Like, they could have done any other thing... That had been more popular, but no, he picked fucking Belschnickel. It had to be Dwight. It had to be Dwight. And it made sense, though, because it carried over into um, Pennsylvania Dutch folklore, kind of yeah. carried that over with, um, from Germany. For sure. So. And I liked, I loved the Krampus. Frau Percha. Frau Percha. This is literally a woman that kind of like on league with all these other ones where if you're bad, she takes out all your internal organs and replaces them with garbage. And it's just like, we have so many fun things like that, but all really, really harped on the Krampus thing. And I love Krampus. I think it's a great idea. And I love that if you go to parts of Germany and Austria to this day, and even long before it kind of became popular within Hollywood, there's kids all the time that would dress up as Krampus and run around with like chains and whips and try to whip random people. Apparently parents in like, especially Southern Byron will, or Bavaria for our Americans, um, will invite the Krampuses in to like basically punish their naughty kids and stuff. And it's just like, that's fantastic. I want to go dress up as Krampus and run around. Of course. Reason 1,726,112 to move to Germany. Yeah. Oh, Germany, I love you. And we love the Krampus. And I think the movie Krampus was amazing. I love the usage of it. I think, like you said, it has been somewhat overplayed. I think it was well done in here, though. I'm, I'm okay with the usage here, but I would love to see some other films focus on some of the more unheralded and amazing Christmas characters that are just a whole boatload of horror and fun. They need a movie about Belschnickel. Yeah, Belschnickel. You do like a movie about like half the stuff, the Yule Cat, all the stuff. I forget how to say the Yule Cat in Icelandic. I... I Learned to pronounce it like a couple weeks ago for fun, and then I've already forgotten. But like I said, you know, I think it's it's not a detractor from this movie because again, they have the changelings, which aren't necessarily Christmas related, but they spun it into Christmas because again, they go to cut down the tree, 
the dad that's, I guess, now a former cop or he's on leave or whatever. He left the, I think he left the force because he was traumatized by that event. Yeah, they, they had, and that was the rumor, but we don't know if he's just on leave or he's going back. Like, that's just what the rumor is among the kids. Yeah, but he had a bad time. Yeah, so he goes and, you know, they drop down the tree. And, of course, they, the kid gets lost in the woods. And then the kid they bring back, this kid is not fucking talking. That's the one thing that the mom acted like she's not concerned. And the dad kept getting frustrated with him. And she's like, no, don't get frustrated with him. And like, I get frustrated with this kid, too. This kid is not talking. He's acting fucking weird. How do you, I, I could understand to an extent, maybe he's a little traumatized that he got lost in the woods and stuff. But at some point, it's like he stabs the dad in the hand with the fork. And he's getting ready to, like, smack the kid. And the mom's like, no. Okay, but he stabbed him with a fork. I, I don't think it's... I'm not saying hit your kids, but I don't think it's an unreasonable reaction to initially lift your hand. That's, Someone stabs me. I don't care who they are. I'm probably going to smack them. That's not normal. No, and that's why I was like, I, and again, not saying I'm not advocating for hitting children, but anyone that stabs me literally not just like swatted him away or something, took the fork and just straight up like stabbed him in the hand. Like You're going to have a reaction. Yeah. So. A reaction is get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Uh, so again, at some point, you had to realize something wrong. So the John Oliva look like calls over to her and says, basically tells her this is a changeling and she's like, don't call here again. Okay, but I would at least hear him out more because if someone called me being like, you were on my land, I saw you take a tree, whatever, but you have a changeling and your son is now still in the woods. And when she goes back, of course, to get the kid, turns out he has no idea where the kid is. She ends up shooting him and then the changelings give her back the kid, which I kind of felt like it was the changelings were afraid of this guy and did it as a thank you but i was like i feel like changelings and fairy folk wouldn't really give the child back they'd just be like go fuck yourself they really just needed to bring this kid back to the hall of the mountain king oh my god he could have been that little guy running around right in the the, uh, (laughs) the music video right they just had to bring him back fun fact sabotage did not like doing music videos very much and the only reason they made the Hall of the Mountain King video is because, so on MTV's Headbangers Ball, they basically like insisted on it. I think they probably paid for it and stuff. Like they just absolutely wanted them to make this video for Hall of the Mountain King. Not surprising. It's one of the best songs ever written. Yeah. But it's just, it's funny to me that they weren't going to originally do a music video on the Headbangers Ball. It was just like, I beg of you. Well, Metallica always are like, oh, we're not ever going to do a music video. That's for sellouts. And then they did. Yeah. Like black album immediately well, they well the black made, album is where everything went to hell yeah but like they immediately did one for enter sandman i remember it used to wake me up some mornings because i had my tv set it would turn on at like 6 a.m when i had to get up and a lot of times that was playing that took Ironic. off a lot of fans that made a lot of people mad and that's a lot of the, one of the big turning points of metallica for a lot of people is that they just totally abandoned their roots which they did napster bad money good <laughs> oh dear Anyway, but without this getting too lengthy, basically the Krumpus story is the, again, the grandchildren and I guess one, I don't know if it's the mom or the dad is the child of Shatner, not real Shatner, but you know, Dangerous Dan. And they go and they're going to quote unquote Aunt Edna's house. This is where they find she has a little Krumpus ornament thing and the son knocks it off the table like pretty purposely and the guy that's the butler, Gerard, he gets real pissed at him. He is really creepy. And when he gets real pissed, the Aunt Edna gets real nervous. And it turns out it's because Gerard ends up being the one that turns into Krampus. So pretty much Krampus kills everyone. And the kid fucking deserved it. That kid, because one, he, at first I thought, oh, he's just being a little shit. Like it could be that age. Yeah. And then the daughter has this revelation that the kid murdered their cat. And was happy about it. Yeah, because apparently he killed a lot of the pets, though, because she's like, what do you think happened to all our pets? Which I was like, he's done this before. It wasn't just the cat. That kid gonna, was going to be a serial killer. So Krampus did society a favor. Yeah. And the dad apparently was a deadbeat that was... Total shyster. And, yeah, trying to just basically like swindle people for money and was like, I'm going to jail. We're losing the house and everything. Then he dies. Then the mom dies. And everyone gets killed by Krampus except for the daughter, who then she comes in in a rage realizing that... And Edna knew that Gerard was going to become the Krampus and let them leave and let them, you know, be in danger. And then she becomes Krampus. And then Krampus shows up at Santa's Hogwarts house is what it looks like. It really did look like Hogwarts for Santa with a landing strip for his sleigh. Yeah. And this is the best story. Yeah. The best one is definitely Santa and his zombie elves. Chris Kringle, the zombie hunter. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's like, well, we had Abraham Lincoln, the vampire hunter. Now we have yep. Chris Kringle, the zombie hunter. Are you seeing like a Freddy versus Jason vibe here? Oh, wouldn't that be good? That'd Abraham be... Lincoln versus Santa. Oh my God. And then they team up. Oh yeah. For the, uh, we got to kill off the, when the elves and the, and the vampires merge into one. Wouldn't that be great just to see that? It's like a buddy cop movie, but to the next level. <laughs> just like with uh, Shatner being in, um, what was that movie? A show he was in, I think he was a cop. TJ Hooker. Yeah, yeah. TJ Hooker. So it's just like Shatner is TJ Hooker, <laughs> you know? Yep. He, he can join up with them. Oh, that would be so great. And Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is a good flick. I actually haven't seen it yet. I forgot to tell you about that. Oh, we need to watch it. Yeah. I have the Blu-ray. It's so enjoyable. I've heard it's so good. I just haven't I saw it in the theater. Oh, my God. It's Abraham Lincoln as this kick-ass vampire hunter. It's just, it, they do it so seamlessly. It's wonderful. Yeah, we'll have to watch that. Maybe we can review it. We'll see. But anyway, so yeah, Santa's elf, one elf seems like he's not feeling good. That Mrs. Claus brings him down cookies. He doesn't want a cookie, and he gets all, you know, I was about to say snippy, but I feel like snippy's a real understatement. He's kind of acting like, oh, I'm not feeling good. And all the other elves are like, what? You never turn down a cookie. And like, elves don't turn down a cookies. Shiny. It's that shiny. Shiny. Yeah, shiny. I love cookies. But yeah, so then he like freaks out and stabs his hand and then just dies. And they're like, like, elves can't die, right, Santa? He's like, no, elves can't die. And they're trying to convince him to eat a cookie before he dies. And he's like, I don't want a goddamn cookie. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then it's yeah, like, yells whoa, him. elf is really pissed at Mrs. Claus. Yeah. And so then, you know, again, this is all jumping in between the stories and everything. But essentially what happens is Santa tries to get his wife, Marta, slash Mrs. Claus safe. And... At one point, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. They take what looks like the stump of a Christmas tree and just ram it through the door while he's trying to get her to go hide. Yeah. And then Shiny is back from the dead, pops his head up and goes, here's Shiny. And I was just like, ha, Shiny, like the Shining. Here's Johnny. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was such a great, silly moment. And probably one of the best moments in this movie. And there's a lot of good moments, especially like when Shatner's getting all sniffy with whatever, Susan. Like his or producer or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, he's like, well, I did push the button. You go, you go push your own button. <laughs> like, just... It's such a, it's such a, like a Shatner line. And he's like drinking the whole time. And just like, like, he's like, like, oh, get some eggnog. And he's putting booze in his eggnog. Yeah. It's like, he's like bringing out like three different types of alcohol along <laughs> yeah. with the eggnog. And you're like, whoop, Shatner's having a good time tonight. Hey, he's the only one who seemed to really have a good time. Yeah. Well, because at the end, he's so just he like, is our... his family's dead. Yeah, he's like, he's like, is our town cursed? You know, because the town, and actually as a side note, the town is called Bailey Downs, which is kind of funny because apparently that's the name of the suburb in the TV show Orphan Black, which two or three of these people were also in Orphan Black. Yep. And also the Ginger Snaps movies. Mm -hmm. it yep, it was also the same town. Yep. Yep. So I was like, oh, it's and like... And the same Chris people made it, so... Yeah, it's like Crystal Lake, but... Just like not a place you want to live. Note to self: There's a place called Bailey Downs. We don't move there ever. Exactly. Especially Christmas time. Bad things happen. Mm -hmm. Apparently. Also, funny side note: at the very end of this movie, it, when you if you watch the credits, there's a spot that says "No elves were harmed in the making of this film." <laughs> I just I got a chuckle out of that. Other thing I thought that was kind of funny, just for some random quick trivia, and then we can go into our ratings if you want. At some of the U.S. WalMarts. This was released with a slip cover that said a holiday horror story instead of a Christmas horror story. When you took the slip cover off, it did say a Christmas horror story, but the other, but the, it had holiday there. And I was like, I feel like we could really pit the war on Christmas and hardcore Christian people against each other on this one. Because I feel like you could argue that from one side, oh, this is the war on Christmas. They just don't want to put Christmas on it. But from the other side, you could argue that this was done because Christians would have been offended by it. And then I was like, both? Both? Yes, both is good. <laughs> Maybe that's why Walmart did it. Mm-hmm. Combination of people being mad about the war on Christmas and the same people are going to be like, but I would have been offended by this. Well, You'll never make those people happy and they don't want to watch this movie anyway, so let's mess up, mess them up a bit. Well, I'll say this. Anything to annoy and tick off irritating, horrible Christian conservatives, I'm all down for. There Fuck is no you. war on Christmas. Fuck you. Fuck your fake war on Christmas that you made up with your false pseudo-rage. Christmas Christmas is a pagan holiday. Jesus was born in the summertime. Cry me a fucking river. Christmas trees are pagan. Stop putting them up if you don't want to believe in pagan rituals. I, I got in a 
fight with someone one time. Well, like, not physical fight. Obviously, it was, like, online fight. <laughs> We're throwing <laughs> down, bitch, and yeah. I'm going to impale you with the Christmas tree. Yeah, like, Festivus is not over until you pin me. Until you pin me, George. Festivus is not over. No, please, please, somebody stop this. You're killing him. I think you can take him, Georgie. Quit crying to fight your father. Oh, dear. But no, I got into an argument with someone online once because they said they were, like, hating on people for celebrating Halloween, saying it was pagan and all this stuff. And I was like, you know that Christmas is pagan. And started pointing out that they're like, they're like that's different. And I was like, go no. yourself. No, it's not different. You're just an asshole. They blocked me. Good. Oh, well, they can cry about it. Hey, I, someone like that blocking me, I view that as an honor. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I win. Other fun connection I found. James Key was the one that wrote the portion about Krampus. So his portion, he called it Krampus in the Woods. So he wrote that story, but he also wrote episode six of Darknet. And if you look carefully, the mug that Shatner has, has a picture of Cuddle Cat on it, which is from that episode of Darknet. Oh, that's cool. Everything's connected. Everything is connected. I'm stealing the lines from Astonishing Legends. They won't mind. And I will say... I hope they don't mind. I don't think they do. I'm, I'm citing my source right here and now. And we're big fans. Yes. The whole, all the scenes with Santa just taking down the elves was just sheer blissful brutality. I love zombie movies. And the idea of all the elves turning into zombies is such a wonderful, ridiculous concept. And the way they executed this was just friggin' brilliant. And that's pretty much like the start of it is just like, because this cold opens yeah. with Santa looking like he's seen better days for sure. Mm-hmm. And then like the doors opening wide and he's like, oh no, you're here. And then of course then we go into the stories and you're yeah. like, what happened with Santa? They could have made the ent- an entire feature just revolving around Santa and the zombies. But we find out it's the weatherman. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God, that was so twisted and so perfect. Well, because Shatner says how, like, you know, we give him a hard time, but we love him and all this stuff. And I was like, I could see Shatner just poking fun at this guy until he, like, snapped. Doesn't he have a degree from Columbia or something depressing like that? <laughs> I'm just such a, I, was like, I was like, oh, my God, you can't say stuff like that. <laughs> oh, and they call gosh. him Storm and Norman. Storm and Norman. I will rewatch this movie for Shatner and Santa killing the zombie elves alone. Yeah, I feel like those are definitely the best two parts of it. Like I said, next best part to me, I feel like it's a tie between Krampus and the Changeling. And then, again, the murder story with the kids is like the lowest. Yeah. I would say I like probably the Krampus story a little more than the Changeling, but not by much. The Changeling was still really well done. And then the story with the kids and stuff is like way below. Yeah. If you'd like, we can go into our ratings. Yeah, for sure. So do you want to kick us off with the overall skulls rating? Overall skulls. I will give this a three out of five skulls. It's a really good time. It's not something I feel like I need to watch on a yearly basis. I think it's a great Christmas horror flick. You're not going to find a whole lot of them better. I think the story with the kids going to where the ghost issue was dragged it down. If that story would have been a little more solid, this would have definitely been a four for me. But I think that dragged it down enough where it felt out of balance at times because some of the other stories were just so much better. So great overall time. Even if you don't like one part, you might not like one of the other parts of the stories and you might love that one. Even if that's the case, there's enough here to have a good time. And it's overall a very fun anthology movie. So, but I'll give it a three. Yeah, I was for pretty much the same reasons I was going to go with a three. I was, it feels like that if it weren't for that one story, it would have been a four, but definitely that one kind of drug it down. And it sucks because like I really was into it at first. I was like, yeah, they're going to look at this murder scene. Bad stuff's going to happen. But then it just, I don't know. I, I couldn't get with that story. It just, it felt like someone who had this fun idea, but had no idea how to end it, yeah. you know? So for scare factor, what are you going to give it? Our little screaming cat emoji. Scare factor... I'm going to give it a two. This wasn't really scary to me. I think the one story that was probably meant to be the scariest was the ghost story. And how it played out just to me wasn't really that scary. The Santa versus the elves thing, that's not really scary. That's just over the top fun. The Krampus story, maybe a little. The Changeling story is probably the scariest one because it 
kind of goes into not really uncanny valley but kind of yeah that if your kid was swapped there's these it was pretty not subtle even though the mom was kind of clueless till the end but i until think the that's husband gets killed until the until the husband's dead and he hacks his hand off and starts playing, playing with, with it. it dancing around like a marionette or some shit mm-hmm. but i don't think this was overall very scary to me i think this was more meant at least was felt to me more meant to be more of a fun kind of over-the-top movie. So, Scare Factor for me is a two. I'm going to give it a three, only because I just can't get over that jump initial jump scare scaring me so bad. I had to pause it for a minute. My heart was beating and just... And it might have been because I wasn't staring at the screen when it happened. Like, I looked down for one second to, like, shovel some Chipotle in my face. Timing. Yeah, and it just... It ended up being such good timing. And again, just whatever they did just was so startling the rest but didn't have too many jump scares for the most part but that one just i don't know it got me and so i feel like i got to give it the extra little emoji just for that one and again since they didn't rely on that but again i think it could be real again for me not much really truly scares me but i could see how the zombies could be kind of creepy even though they're elves and it's kind of silly they still they're covered in blood and stuff i mean it's a little nerve-wracking of like you know the idea of little elves running around trying to like bite your leg and stuff like one elf is i forget the character's name please forgive me or the actor's name please forgive me but the elf was named the chomping elf like that was his actual <laughs> credit in the movie was the chomping elf and i was like man i want to be credited for something that's the chomping elf right that's a great credit yeah so who wouldn't want to be the chomping elf i yeah. would i'd be proud of that yeah for sure but yeah so for me i'm gonna give it the extra emoji though like i said for that again Krampus and all that stuff kind of doesn't really scare me, but it still can see how that would scare someone. So I think three is pretty fairly said. I could see a two as well. For the elves, for me, some of those quotes, I mean, I don't want a goddamn cookie, you reindeer fucking snow whore. Now you looked up the actual <laughs> quote, didn't you? <laughs> it's so great. It's so, so ridiculous. fucking great. Those, and those elves were just... What what was when the one elf when Santa's about to kill him? Like, you don't have the balls or something. You don't have the Christmas balls. <laughs> it's just the lines from the elves are just fucking magical. And because usually with rage viruses and zombies, you don't get them still talking. These are still talking, which just made it all the better. It's almost like if these elves had some sort of prolonged labor dispute and caught a rage virus and they're just unleashing on their oppressor Santa Claus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on the music, what did you think? I think the music was good, especially, I don't know what it was about the intro music, but that intro music just, it had the perfect amount of like Christmas, but creepiness factor. It set it up really well, I think. I yeah. Agree. So I'm going to give it a three again, nothing mind blowing. I'm going to take one off for the fact there was no TSO. Should have been TSO in there. AKA Sabotage. Yes, pretty much. Christmas Sabotage. Yep. I will give it... And we had John Oliva, for God's sakes. If only it really was John Oliva. That would have been, been so happy. great. I'm going to give music a two. The original song was good. I don't think there was a whole lot else, really, musically, that really dialed me in that much. I mean, I think overall sound design was fine, but... The music didn't really stand out. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't, great. It wasn't really super great. So I'm going to go with the two. Cool. And what about for effects? Effects? I think a solid three is fair here. I think a lot of the more gory effects were done pretty well with the zombie and stuff like that. I thought that was really done well. I think the Krampus looked a little overt at times. Looked a little silly. Mm-hmm. The transformation effect from human to Krampus was kind of ridiculous. The effects were fine. They were, like again, the best part of the story, which really culminated all the best parts of this movie for me, was the zombie elves and Santa. And I thought those effects were really well done. But overall, I think a solid three. Yeah. I was thinking the same, because I was thinking the same, like they did the effects for the blood and all the elves getting chopped up and all the practical effects for that were really good. The effects for, again, the crumbles, like you said, the transformations kind of, eh. the changeling, pretty much all you had was him just like, you'd see his eyes kind of glowing, which I liked that. And I liked that, like, there's the scene where 
she is close. The mom's closing the window, and in the reflection, you can see the changeling. You're just like, ah, there you go. There's something. Now where you're 100 percent sure something else is wrong here. Mm-hmm. If you weren't somehow sure before. Yeah, when he just kept shoveling spaghetti in his mouth, like not even stopping and not looking at you, not talking. Yeah, there's something wrong. Yeah, kid hasn't said a goddamn word, and then it stabs the dad with a fork because he tries to take away his spaghetti. Like, come on. So, but yeah, for me, the effects overall, I think, were very good. Like, the hand part where the kid's playing with the hand looks a bit fake, but the scene where you see him with his hand chopped off, like, and just laying off to the side there, I mean, it looks a little more realistic, but the hand itself he was playing with is kind of like, eh. So, I think for me, I think a three is pretty fair for that. And again, also the scene with the the ghost girl, Grace, in the basement. The fetus she has is just kind of okay looking, but not great, but... I liked a lot of the effects more for, like, the zombie elves and, like, the one where he has part of his head cut off and you can see his brain running around. That one's good. The the effects during those scenes really prop this up, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think that gives it the three as opposed to the two. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's solid. And last but not least, gore. If on a gore factor, if you're squeamish, I'd say it definitely has a lot of moments that you're probably not going to like. Like the baby fetus, like you mentioned, a lot of the blood and guts during the elf elf and Santa scenes. But if you want to talk about how gory horror films can get, this isn't that bad. So I'm going to give it a three. I think that's fair. It's a little more than average, but not by a lot. There's some kind of grosser stuff that you're the, the squeamish are probably not going to enjoy. For me, I'm not a big fan of overt gore in films, and I didn't really have to turn away. But I think a lot of the gore and violence is this is very cartoonish. So, and it's meant, I feel like it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's meant to be overt and silly and fun in a horror kind of way. So, I'll give it a three. Yeah, I was thinking a three as well, because, like you said, the goriest part is definitely obviously the elves. And just Santa just fucking massacring them. I was going to say, I did like the, there's a scene where he, they run into the elevator with him. All I could think of was the Dawn of the Dead elevator <laughs> yeah. scene. And he just opens the door. There's just like all these elves dead, you know, everywhere. So it feels like it's like a bloodbath to an extent at those points. But again, it's not disgusting. It's like, it's just blood for the most part. And then like occasional brain thing. I think the only thing that really got me was when he picks up the one head a bit like the bowling ball, but he kind of has his fingers into the eyes, and eyes things always get me. They usually do get me too, but that part didn't for whatever reason. I feel like because you didn't see it so much. Like you saw that yeah. that was what was happening, but you didn't see him like touching the eyes. Like it mm-hmm. looked like the eyes were closed, yeah. and he just had him, his fingers more resting on yeah. there. But I felt like it was supposed to be like fingers in the eyes again. So that have, part got me a bit. Have you ever played the computer game Elf Bowling? No. So it was this computer game in like probably the late 90s i'm guessing around then it was this computer game which if you got the wrong version of it from some illicit website it was just loaded with malware but essentially i think they released it officially for like ds it was like a flash game and you're santa claus and the elves are pins mm-hmm. and you're bowling down elves Fun. and there's parts where the elves moon you and stuff like that it's they fart it, it's it's utter stupidity it's really funny and when he had the head of the elf, I'm like, I could not help but think elf bowling. That's so funny. Elf bowling with the elf. Mm-hmm. There was a game I had called Penguin Wars. You I play heard that of that. You were like, I don't know why it made me think of that, because I was just thinking of, I guess, like, you know, it, it felt like there was some parts that felt kind of like bowling, but it was more like you'd be like a bat, and then you'd have like a cow at the other end, or some other, it was like a mouse and a penguin and stuff. And you would basically just, like, shoot balls at the other one and try to knock them over. Here's a, <laughs> I, I'm showing Dan a clip from it. But, yeah, then I, I forgot about it till just now. And then I was like, that was, like, one of the games I used to play on, like, the original Game Boy. Like, that big gray one that you used to get. Not the Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I had that. And then I had Donkey Kong that I played, like, religiously on that. Oh, geez. I'm looking now at the, the penguin bowling. Elf bowling. Or elf bowling, excuse me. Mine yeah. was penguins. Yours was elves. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nintendo. And computer games, I guess. But yeah. it was a it was a Game Boy Advance and a DS version of this. Nice. So fucking stupid. They would hold up a sign that says Santa sucks. It's <laughs> so dumb. Just the idea of Santa being this like guy that's just like abusing the shit out of these elves is really funny to me, and yet awful. Because it's not that surprising. So looking back at our ratings, mine's like a solid three across the board on everything. You had two that were knocked down to twos, but 
I think overall it's pretty fair to call this movie a solid five out of seven. <laughs> I'd say so. When this movie's great, it's amazing. Like when it's like all the Shatner parts, all the stuff with zo- the sand and the zombie elves, certain parts of the other stories too were just mind blowing fun. Yeah. So some the only issue is sometimes there's some balance issues, but overall it's definitely worth a watch. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. I think with that, we can go ahead and sign off. So thanks for listening to our amateur ramblings. And this has been We All Pod down here. I'm Dan. And I'm Brittany. Bye. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at we all pod on Twitter and at we all pod down here on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs>